It's not an easy announcement, and it's not an easy announcement to hear either, uh, but we're trusting the Lord, and I'm grateful for Nick and for Tom, and uh, believing the best is yet to come for Heartland and for the Knaves is, is really a, a, a great thing for us. Uh, hey, if you're watching online, I'm glad that you're still with us and that you're, you're here. And can we just for a second uh, say thanks to those who are, we know that the stats tell us that half of our auditorium is over there in that camera right now. So can we just welcome them all in right now? Just grateful for you guys sticking with us and for being around and hope that this message inspires you and encourages you as well. I'm curious to know for all of us, um, who do you go to when the rug is pulled out from underneath you? Those moments of life when things just change really quickly, what do you, what do, you do? I think there's two options that we most naturally gravitate towards when, when something happens and situations change and, and there's something that takes us out of control. Maybe your first reaction is to text somebody in your family. Like you grab your phone and you, you, you get on their phone and you get more people around you. You get more people kind of like speaking into it. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? I can't believe this. I can't believe this. What am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. You, some people just, just, just flock together and they, they try and control the situation by adding more people around it. But, uh, but there's another side of this too. Sometimes um, our natural response is actually to, um, to shut down. I'm curious. This is like the worst question ever asked. But like, uh, is anybody shut down when the rug gets pulled out from underneath them? This is me. When, when, when something happens that I can't be in control, I'm, I'm often tempted just to pull back and to kind of say, I'll figure this out. Just give me some time to think. I'll sort through this myself. And I actually don't want anybody else around me in this situation. I just want, want to figure this out on my own. Let me go to a coffee shop. Let me just, you know. Di-. The problem with both of these responses when, when situations in life change is, is that both are trying to take control ourselves. One response is trying to control how many people are there and getting, getting things moving. The other response is trying to control how few people know and how to preserve ourselves. And, and here's the bigger question. Um, how do you let God into these moments of life? And how do you, more, more accurately, how do you let God lead you through these moments of life? And that's the path that we find ourselves today in this series called Ancient Paths. So we're finding our way with Jesus. It's, 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 it's how do we let God move us down this road when the road seems to be turning this way and that way and taking unexpected dips and turns that we can't always expect to see. We find this is that prayer is the way that God moves us down the path. Prayer is, is the thing that God wants us to do to find a deeper relationship with him so that we can actually navigate the path of life. So now listen, whenever I came to church and I would hear a message on prayer, it always made me feel guilty. So everybody just, just know right here, this is not a message to make you feel guilty that you don't pray enough. You got it? Who prays enough? None of us. Okay, good. This is a message that I hope will inspire you to understand when we pray, what happens? That when we pray, even little prayers of faith, God promises to move in a mighty, mighty way. And so to uh, jump into this, there's a passage found in Luke chapter 11 where Jesus is actually teaching about prayer. His disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus and, and they noticed things about Jesus as they were following him that um, he seemed to pray in, in many different ways than they were accustomed to. They were, they were used to praying in a specific place at specific times for specific purposes. But Jesus prayed on mountaintops, and when it was inconvenient, early in the morning, late at night, he, he would pray all the time. And his disciples asked Jesus, they said to him, hey, Jesus, can you help us understand how we should pray? And what follows in Luke 11 is this incredibly beautiful way for us to understand how we should pray. I want you to read along with me. I'll start in verse 2. Here's what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, say, if you've ever needed a script, here you go, Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. I don't know if those words sounded weird to you the way they sound kind of weird to me. I'm used to uh, saying a bit of a longer version of the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew. Matthew is the disciple who records the longer version, but Luke gives us this short version of, of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus literally says, pray these words, say these things. And so if we were going to talk about an ancient path of prayer, we could definitely spend a lot of time here and kind of unpack this and figure out what Jesus has to say about it. But uh, there's this thing that often gets missed when we talk about prayer, this, this story that Jesus tells us that I think is more along the path of what we're trying to get after today in our own hearts that helps us see prayer in a new way. And all we have to do is just keep reading a couple verses more. Look at what Jesus says in verse five. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, <laughs> imagine this, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. You got a neighbor like this? We all do. Jesus says, I tell you, verse eight, I tell you that even though he will not give up, uh, he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. On the surface, this seems more about how to um, lose friends and influence people than it does to pray. So um, let me maybe help us understand what's going on here. Uh, the disciples would have listened to this and, and heard Jesus tell them the story and they would have nodded along and said, yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah, no one, no one in the right mind is ever going to turn away a guy knocking at the door in the middle of the night. And for us, we're kind of like, what? And the reason that they got it is because they lived in a world of, 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 of a different culture, of a culture of shame and honor that like to show hospitality and the art of neighboring. Today, it's rare to invite your neighbors into your house. One of my neighbors invited me um, over to borrow a tool, which was awesome. And um, I, I went to the front door because his garage was down. And so I knocked on the door and I, I, he welcomed me and he said, oh yeah, I got that thing right for you. And so he's like, come on in. And I took like three steps into his house and we both kind of looked at each other like, this is weird. And he looked at me, he goes, yeah, why don't you just go around the front to the garage and I'll, I'll go get it for you there. That's neighboring in 2021. We drive our cars into our garages, push the button, down comes the thing. If we're out of a cup of sugar, you know who you ask? Alexa. So for us, this whole idea of, of knocking on doors late at night, what's the big deal? We don't really understand it because today's hospitality is, is more along the lines of putting triple ply in the front bathroom. That's what we think of as as hospitality. For Jesus' day, hospitality was, was neighboring. It was something you would do to bend over backwards for people who lived among your community, especially for those who didn't live in your community. So to, to, to get high marks in hospitality meant that you would actually open your home to anyone who would knock on your door and put them up and treat them like they were a part of your family. It was part of the code in this day that you would actually spend more than, you, than your means. You would overspend your means to put people up. Take that, Dave Ramsey. Right? Like you would actually be shaming yourself if you didn't provide an extravagant meal for this person. And this was like the code of how things worked. Why? Because there was no Marriott chain of hotels in this day. If you were going to take a trip, you would just go and then you would knock on the door of some, someone's home who was a, a friend or a friend of a friend and they would let you in and they would, it was kind of like the thing you had to do. It was, it was almost an obligation. 
And so this is what Jesus is saying when he says, can you imagine anyone going you know, to their neighbor late at night saying, hey, I got someone who just dropped by and I'm out of sugar. Can you lend me a cup? Not getting up in the middle of the night and helping you. For us, we're like, that's weird. But for, for them, they're like, absolutely. So let's think about this story that Jesus tells. It's, um, it's midnight. You want to go to bed. You might have already been in bed. You hear a knock on the door. It's late. It's past the hour of socialization. And it's a friend who's come by. And they've obligated you now to a certain task. The problem is, is that you've already eaten all the food for the day. And you didn't make plans for strangers and guests in tomorrow's food prep. You can't find anybody to talk to you, and if you did find them, they'd already be asleep, and why would they even want to help you? And so you go to your neighbor. If you did find your neighbor, his kids are asleep, he's in bed, he doesn't even really seem to like you, but because of his internal foundational shame and honor that is at play, his, his foundational desire to avoid shame and your shameless audacity He's going to get out of bed and give you not just three loaves of bread that you asked for, but all of the platters, all of the fine china, and the whole meal to prepare for your guests. Why? Because this is the code of neighbors. Your neighbor is a man of honor. He will not violate that quality. And so I told you this about prayer, and you might be asking, okay, what does neighboring have to do with prayer? And it has absolutely everything to do with prayer. We know this because look in your Bibles, maybe if you have one open or if I'm going to show it to you in a second. Now, look at where this parable is situated in Luke. Luke 11 starts with the Lord's Prayer, and then Jesus tells the story, and then the next thing he says is literally is a poem about prayer. He says this, verse, verse 9 says this, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And here's what Jesus means if we put all this together. He's essentially saying if humans will go through such inconveniences to avoid compromising their integrity and their values, then the God to whom you pray, who also has an integrity that he will not violate, can also be sought in these matters too. Oh, and he's not a cranky neighbor who cashed it in early. He's your loving heavenly father who wants the best for you. That's what Jesus is pushing at here. He's essentially telling us this. You can knock on God's door anytime you want and ask for anything you need. Let me say that again, just so that it sinks in. You can knock on God's door anytime you want and ask for anything you need because he loves you. You can knock on God's door. It reminds me of that scene, that scene in that wonderful epic movie, Frozen. <laughs> it's my favorite movie. I go to it a lot. But there's that scene where Anna finally chases down Elsa and she gets up to the door and she's, she's about to knock on the door and she stops and Olaf is like, knock, just knock. Why aren't you knocking? Do you know how to knock? That's the greatest line in the whole movie. Do you know how to knock? <laughs> and I, I wonder, do you know how to knock. Some of us, we really don't. Some of us were like, I don't know the script. I don't know what to say. It's too weird for me. And yet we want to. There's something deep inside of us that wants to be close to God, that wants to knock on his door, that wants to test him and see what will happen. So here's a couple ways and a couple moments in life where I think we should knock on God's door that this story from Jesus kind of pushes us to. I think the first one is pretty obvious. We should, we should go to God when we're at a loss. 
when we're at a loss in life, when we don't have what we need, when we're out of the thing that we think we need to keep going, whether it's a material thing or an energetic thing or a spiritual thing or a relational thing, when you're, when you're at a loss, where do you go? Jesus tells us you can go to God. You can, you can wake him up in the middle of the night. You, you can go to him when you have a lack in your life. Go to God. I am... Um, I think many of us, uh, we think about God as, as the, the person who's going to say to the friend, go away, the door's closed, the, the kids are in bed, it's too late. And, and we think, you know, if I go to God, he's just not going to listen to me. If I go to God, like, who am I amongst all the people in the, in the earth? Why, why would he even care about me? He's always proved that he doesn't care about me already by the way that my life is going. Like, so why would I go to him? What Jesus wants us to know is that there's moments in life, all of us have them when we're at a loss. What do you do? Jesus says, Go. Knock on God's door. There's a story about Peter who is in the Bible and he shows us that we can do more than we think if we ask God for help. Peter was in a boat and Jesus came walking on the water. If you're not a church person, this is a story that kind of weirds out a lot of people. They think he was water skiing. He wasn't water skiing. He was just walking on the water. And um, Peter looked at Jesus and said, if it is you, call me out there. Let me too walk on the water. And so Jesus had come to me. And because he asked Jesus for this special privilege, he actually got out of the boat and walked on the water. You don't maybe think this, but there's more in you than you think if you can ask. And there's this moment where Peter kind of looks around and gets freaked out by what he's actually doing. He's like walking on water. He's, this is not natural. Everything about it is wrong. And he, he, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And, and it's in this moment he starts to sink. He starts to drown. And he, as, he, as he gets sinking and drowning, he gets even more stressed out. And, and, and he looks up at Jesus and he cries out this beautiful word when he was at a loss. He just says three words, a very short, simple prayer of faith. He just says, Lord, save me. And in this prayer to Jesus, as he, he's literally in need, Jesus comforts him with his presence, grabs his arm, lifts him up, and walks him on the water back to the boat. I don't know what it is in your life that you don't have right now that you think you need. I don't know what season it is in your life that you're at a loss in, whether it's a loss of joy, a loss of vision, a loss of relationship. But there's more in you through God if you'll just go to him. And so that's the first thing we see. We, we go to God when we're in need, but, but prayer is not just for us. Prayer is also for others. Here's the second thing. We, we, we pray because our friends are in need. I know I broke down the story pretty quickly, but Jesus um, is, is telling a story about a host that's experienced a loss. He doesn't have what he actually needs, and so he goes and, and inconveniences himself. Why? For the sake of the friend who is in need. This whole situation is fraught with problems. It requires the host to go spend their own relational chips down the road with somebody else for the sake of someone else. The, the host ostensibly gets nothing out of this deal. Like there's really no gain in this for the host. But this is prayer. Prayer is us spending chips for other people on behalf of them in front of God. And, and um, I'm curious, how many times, let me just check in with you quickly. How many times this week did you pray for others? I'm um, a pastor. And so I'm, supposed, I'm paid to pray. Isn't that, isn't that right? That's the deal, right? That's like the social obligation. It's like, pastor, you pray. Um, and, and I knew I was going to be speaking on this today. And so what happens when I speak on prayer is I often ramp up the prayer in my life just to be honest about it, right? And what happened to me this week is that I realized I got to Wednesday and I realized 
Every prayer I had prayed that week started with God, I. God, I need. God, I want. God, I don't. God, I wish. And then just like on cue, you know, just, just like it was at the right moment, I got text messages that Wednesday morning from two friends back home, back from where we moved from. And um, it cut through the noise in a really interesting way for me because uh, they simply said, hey, Dan, hope your new church is treating you well, which you are, thank you. Um, and they said, uh, just wanted you to know I prayed for you today. I hope that encourages you. Two times, two different people, Wednesday morning. It was almost like God was kind of like snapping at me like, hey, 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 get your eyes off yourself. Look around. There's some people that need your help in prayer for their sake. And that's what this neighbor is doing here is helping someone else at their own cost. And so uh, sometimes we don't know what to pray. I don't know what my friends even prayed for me. I just know that when I found out that they were praying, it was like lightning to my soul, like a power bar for my spirit, so to speak. And it just encouraged me to know that they're praying for me, for, 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 for something. And this is what we pray for here as a staff when we don't know what to pray for, for you. We just pray for God's highest and best in your life. These are words that come from the pastoral team here. We just ask God to give, give you your, God's highest and best for your life. And maybe if you have friends that you love to pray for, you just don't know exactly how to pray for them, I want you to pray that. God, would you give them your highest and your best today? So we, we go to God when we're at a loss and when our friends are in need. But there's a third aspect of this that I think is really relevant to us today as a church. We, we go knock on God's door, not just because we're at a loss or our friends are in need, but our community needs help. That's the third reason we pray. Our community needs help. This, this host who goes down the street, who knocks on the neighbor's door late at night, uh, is appealing to a broader sense of communal responsibility, saying to the neighbor, hey, I just had something obligatory happen to me that I can't fulfill, and for the sake of all of us and our collective reputation, will you get out of bed and help me? I think that's a beautiful picture of what church is. Church is a place where all of us come together. We form a community. And then we look at God and we say, God, we're obligated to one another, but we don't have all the stuff we need to help one another. Will you get out of bed and help us? God, God, will you just speak into our lives? Will you direct us? Will you lead us? Will you help us as a community? For the sake of your name, for your reputation in the world, would you do this in our midst? We're gonna do this as a church here on Wednesday night. And 5.30 at whatever school is closest to your house. We're going to gather together because there's administrators and teachers and uh, so many students and parents in our community who are about to start a brand new school year of who knows what. And our community is in need. I don't know about you, but one of the dreams that I have for Heartland, I don't have a lot because I've only been here a couple weeks, but one of the dreams that I have for Heartland is that we would be known in this community as a place where you can go and be prayed for. Where, where we care so much about what's happening that we actually ask God on behalf of our community to meet people where they are and to heal and to restore and to provide and to keep safe and, and, and to guide. That we would be a, a church that doesn't just talk about it, but actually does it. It would be a church that people see us out and about actually talking to God on their behalf, saying, God, we need your help. Only you can. Would you please 
And so I'm going to be there. My family's going to be there on Wednesday night at one of the schools. I'd love for you to come out, make space, 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m. Uh, at one of the schools. I'd love for you to join us so that we can go to God, knock on his door for the sake of our community. And finally, um, there's one really practical reason why we go to God and walk down this path of prayer. It's, it's simply this. is because... Um, Sometimes in life, prayer is just conversation to God, talking to him, telling him who he is and what we, what we are. But sometimes prayer exists for us to test God, to test him. Our faith needs testing. I um, didn't care about smoke detectors the first, like, 26 years of my life. And then I had a baby. Do you know what I mean? Like any of your parents out there, you're like not suspicious about anything and then um, you had a child and it changed everything for you. I remember driving um, out of the hospital with my daughter in the back seat of our car for the first time and I normally drive the speed limit. I drove like 25 miles below the speed limit. Just everything was, I was suspicious of everything and, and I, I started to see um, smoke detectors differently and I started to be suspicious of them. I was alarmed by them in a different type of way. I was alarmed by them because they were so silent. And I often walked, I'd walk past it and be like, does the battery need to be changed? Like, is it even working? Like, does it, does it work? And so I learned that there's a test button. It's super annoying, but helpful. And, and when I wanted to know if the silence meant that it was dead or the silence meant that everything was okay, all I had to do was test the detector. And so I learned if I go and push the button, I could have the answer that I needed. And listen, prayer absolutely operates in our life this way. Jesus is literally saying to us, if you don't know if God is dead or just affirming you from a distance, if you don't know if God is, is silent because he's not there or he's silent because he's leading you out of you, all you gotta do is go knock on his door and see if he makes a noise in your life. And you'll find that prayer is the great test of your faith. That when we go to God and we say, God, I don't even know if you're actually alive and working in my life. Could you show up? Would you make a noise in my life? God comes through in ways that we often don't even expect. So I wonder if that's you today. If you've kind of thought, God, I don't know who you are or where you are or even if you're working for me, I want you to test God. I want you to go to him and, and, and to pray. And I don't know what that prayer is, but it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated, but it just has to be from you to him to say, God, I need you. I'm at a loss. My friends are in need. Our community needs help. We're here testing you to see, will you meet us? And I can't wait, Heartland, to see what happens when we test God. Here's what's gonna happen right here as we close this service. I've asked Nick and Julie to come up and to lead us through a moment. And they're just gonna start singing here in a second. But there's a beautiful picture of, of us knocking on God's door that's hanging around these walls and along the stage here of our church. These represent neighbors who are in need, who have had long journeys, who have gone far from home and have hung up on the walls their need for God to meet with them today. And here's the question for you. Are you the type of person that will take the needs of others to your friend to get them the help that they need? Here's what I'm really asking. Are you the type of person that will spend your chips in prayer on others 
just as much as you spend on yourself. Prayer is a pathway that leads us close to God. Sounds really obvious, but it's so sure. And so my prayer for us as we knock on God's door on behalf of ourselves, on behalf of the person who's written that prayer request down, I'm praying for you this week as well, that God will speak, he'll make a noise, you can test him and hear him and be encouraged to follow him all the more. Hey, every Wednesday throughout this series at noon, we're gonna be on Facebook Live. Uh, Brad Herndon hosts this, uh, we're calling it Practicing the Path because paths are meant to be walked out, not just studied. And this week, Brad is gonna host a conversation with Tom Brauner. Tom, I hope that's not a surprise to you. Um, but you're gonna be on Facebook at noon on Wednesday talking to Brad about prayer. And if you've never seen Tom Brauner on Facebook Live talking about prayer, it's like a warm hug. And so um, if you need that on Wednesday, please uh, join us on Facebook. Um, I also am encouraged, I wanna, I wanna just encourage you to talk about prayer with each other. And let's pray with each other Wednesday evening, 5.30. Heartland, let's see what God does when we knock on his door. We love you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>